We are seeing larger farms, more sophisticated farms, more technology on the farm. So I think technology, particularly robots, sensors, is allowing us to get more out of the people we have on the farm, allowing those people to do a better job. And I'm very sure, very clear in my mind, uh, particularly cameras, um, we're really enhancing the ability of people to make decisions in a way they never did before. And that's probably the most exciting. A whole new era of communication in the dairy industry is coming soon. Now you have the brightest minds of the global dairy industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. The Dairy Podcast Show is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Diamond V, because animal health deserves a healthier approach. Excellent by Protecta, a novel product for the management of hypocalcemia, its uncomplicated excellence. DSM and AB Vista. Welcome to the Dairy Podcast Show. My name is Barry Bradford with Michigan State University, and I'm pleased today to welcome Aidan Conley, president of Agritech Capital, uh, to this conversation. So, Mr. Conley, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I wonder if you'd start off with a little bit of introduction to how you ended up in this place in your career. Good question. How did I end up in this place? But uh, <laughs> so I uh, I did my MBA in Ireland and. Um, was familiar with Alltech uh, already, joined that company. There's the short and long story as to, uh, as to how I joined it, but the short one is my uncle owned the company. He was president, founder, and CEO, so that was a good start. And uh, I joined him, worked with them in Ireland for a year, then France for two years, then I went to Brazil for nearly five years, came to North America, back to Europe for seven years, running 50 countries, uh, Washington, D.C. for six years, ended up in headquarters as chief innovation officer. And um, uh, when he passed away, I continued with the business. Uh, my cousin took over. And then he and I um, sort of talked about the future. And I said, look, Mark, I really think I want to get more involved in agri-tech. What I like about agri-tech is when I started with all tech, their turnover was somewhere around about 23, 24 million. It finished with 2.4 billion when I left. And I see a lot of companies out there that could be the next all tech, uh, maybe not involved in nutritional supplements, but involved in, in robots and drones and, and, and blockchain and sensors and artificial intelligence. And I said, that looks to me like an area I'd like to get involved in, both to help people and obviously um, to be part of that success. So that's what I did, set up Agritech Capital. We've done advisory for food companies, agri companies, the British government on uh, their policies post-Brexit. I've been involved with raising money for startups, speaking at conferences, writing for Forbes magazine, teaching on MBA programs, and not least uh, participating in podcasts like this one. So <laughs> this is the story of the last four years since I left Alltech and Prior to that, obviously, being part of the Alltech success was uh, was hugely influential in my life. So you've not been bored. It doesn't sound like not since then, not, not before either. So no, it's been it's been pretty exciting. Excellent. Can you explain uh, for us a little bit about the Agritech Capital as a company? What's what's the focus? What what do you try to accomplish? Uh, as the name suggests, its interests are in agritech. 
We give advisory to companies that want to invest in agri-tech. We help startups that want, you know, some of them need money, many of them need contacts, and many, many of them need to understand their sales marketing strategy, positioning. I'm an agri-tech. I'm invited to be a speaker. I'm going to Peru next week to speak at a conference on the future of innovation and how it influences the food and agribusiness. Um, spoken, obviously, many times on dairy conferences and written about the same for many of the leading dairy magazines. So it's, um, it's a pretty broad portfolio of things we do, but I would say stronger on livestock, uh, clearly dairy, which I'm known for um, uh, with, with hogs and with chickens. Those are, those are areas that where maybe agri-tech or agri-technologies have been adopted at a slower rate and where I think there's greater opportunities for things in the future. Um, and that's where I think I've got some unique skills, both from having been part of a company that went effectively to unicorn status uh, with its own technology, learning how to sell technology, and then being back on the side of a most recently CEO of Caintus, a dairy camera company, where I really learned an awful lot about what makes companies successful, what makes companies have challenges uh, in the tech space. Excellent. Maybe if we can uh, sort of think about how these sorts of technologies benefit dairies, what are, the, what are the problems that are mostly being solved by technology today? No surprise for anybody on a dairy farm today, labor is a massive issue. You know, we'd like to say that people love to milk cows. We'd like to say that people love to shovel manure. We'd like to say that people love planting corn and putting up silage. Yeah, reality is it's getting harder and harder to find those people. And even when you find the people, you know, how much experience have they got? Um, are they experienced enough to really run our farm to the level that we need? Because we are seeing larger farms, more sophisticated farms, more technology on the farm. So I think technology, particularly robots, sensors, is allowing us to get more out of the people we have on the farm, allowing those people to do a better job. And I'm very sure, very clear in my mind, uh, particularly cameras, um, we're really enhancing the ability of people to make decisions in a way they never did before. And that's probably the most exciting. But you see, techno you see technology being used in lots of ways on dairy farms. Look at the genomics revolution. Look at the nutrition revolution. You know, precision dairying, as we call it, where we can precisely feed the cow exactly what she needs and know exactly how that's going to interact with other components in the diet through moisture control, uh, through understanding the interaction of nutrients. All of these are tremendously interesting areas. Um, sorry for using the phrase. I, I have used it in an article uh, and on a, the odd conference, but to say that maybe Donald Rumsfeld was a dairy farmer because he spoke about the known knowns, the known unknowns, and the unknown unknowns. And as we learn more and more about dairy farming, I think – we're actually realizing it's humbling us. We're realizing how little we know. That's a great point. So we, we've certainly seen technology um, be adopted on dairy farms to a greater extent over the years. But it, you have a, maybe a different perspective working across commodities, across species. Where do we stand with respect to other aspects of agriculture in terms of adopting technology? I, I think it's very clear that the crop area is years ahead of livestock. Um, I typically use the phrase it's 10 years ahead in adoption of technology 
I was at a conference recently where somebody contradicted me to say it was 15 years ahead, and he was an investor and, and very familiar with. But you see the use of drones in the fields, use the use, see the use of sensors to measure irrigation, to measure moisture content of the soil, degree of development of the crop, um, sensors within storage bins, uh, the increasing use of precision in terms of uh, variable rate applications of fertilizer, and then much more precision in uh, pesticides and herbicides. So they're clearly ahead of where we are. That said, in livestock, I think that dairy is probably ahead of other livestock species. In some sort of ironic way, we always imagine that poultry is the most precise, maybe swine production next, and the beef uh, and dairy are much less precise because it's more complicated and and, and we haven't uh, seen the same degree of uniformity of genetics. Um, that I don't know if that's true. Uh, certainly it's not true in robotics. Dairy farming's further ahead. Sensors, wearable sensors, these uh, uh, cowbells, uh, Fitbits, etc. That again, dairying is further ahead. So I think we're in good shape in dairy production compared to other species, uh, albeit that we are still way behind what they're doing in the crop side. Fair enough. Uh, that leads to a question that I had. What do you think is the low-hanging fruit for dairy? In other words, what do you think is a technology that's not very widely used on dairies but really should be, like today? I suppose I have my bias, and I'll say that um, I, I'm no longer uh, the CEO of Caintus, but um, I still think cameras are the game-changer in dairy, and we see them becoming more, more and more powerful at seeing things that you think you're going to see with your eyes, uh, but the human eye has flaws and you know, makes it challenging to see, to see what's happening out there in the field. So I would say that cameras are probably the greatest. Sensors have shown tremendous opportunities as well. Uh, we're gaining a lot of information from wearables. It does seem most people are focused, however, on fertility as being the way to justify the cost of, of those wearables most easily. And robotics... Um, they have their challenges, but they're also, it's also a very exciting area. I mean, you see what's happening uh, with Delaval, what's happening with Lely, what's happening with uh, these other robotic companies, um, Galaxy. Just a tremendous uptake in the use of, scent of, uh, of cow robots, particularly for milking. A little bit slower on other aspects, the push-up robots and the cleaning manure robots, but clearly... Once we learn how to design our farms with that in mind, it's going to be an extremely exciting technology. What do I see as being the future? I would say artificial intelligence is still a game changer. So anything that can help us enhance what we think, what we see, and what decisions we make has got to be extremely valuable. It's, it's hard to believe that we're going to be able to train all the people to the level they need to understand, of understanding they need on the farm. So enhancing human uh, brains with uh, with artificial intelligence, I think has got to be the biggest game changer in the next five years on, on dairy farms. On that topic specifically, um, you know, I have colleagues that work in trying to develop AI and often a bottleneck there is, is data. Like you need huge amounts of data with, you know, really accurate numbers to be able to build precise algorithms to actually make good decisions based on inputs. 
is that I, I could see a, a perfect world where we get sort of adoption in the field and then sort of a feedback loop where, you know, the companies are getting more and more data from their installations to continue refining. Is that true? Are there, are there adequate data available for developing the algorithms needed for effective AI? Barry, I'm not sure I'm going to agree with you or your colleagues because I, in my experience, the problem is not quantities of data, it is quality of data. You spend a lot of time on with dairy data, pruning the data, curating the data, cleaning the data, removing things, which can miss, if, if you leave them in there, they mislead the algorithms. And so you get drift into uh, the algorithm has learned to spot something that really isn't true. So it isn't just, uh, it can be how many images have you got? How many images did you use to teach your, your program? That, yeah, that can be a measurement, but it needs to be quality data. Um, and I think the, the, the blockage in terms of AI is annotation of the data. So if we've got a picture that shows a cow that's lying down, you physically need somebody to label that and tell the, tell the camera, tell the AI system, tell us that is a lying down cow. This is a standing cow. Here's a cow that's got lameness. Here's a cow that's sick. Here's a cow that's going to heat. So all those things take time to do, and you do need humans to go through not just thousands of images, but millions of images. I know at we we arrived at annotating close to 40 million images. The cost of that is horrendous, Yeah, but that's the only way to do it. But I can tell you we threw away perhaps another 400 million images, where the image, because of lighting, because of dust, because of dirt, because of uh, moisture in the environment, because of fogging in the house, because of, you know, different, because one, it wasn't a clear-cut uh, camera shot. It, it was better not to use that data rather than using that to, or alternatively using too much data from the same farm. So the algorithm becomes very specific for one farm and not for all farms. So this is a little, we're getting a little bit into the weeds here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it is, um, it is important to realize dairy farm is, is, is extremely complicated, extremely complex. And, and it's not a pharmaceutical factory. It's not making a car. It's not uh, It's not designing candies where you just put a camera in front of a candy every day and say, right, tell me if this is the right shape or not. Dairy farming in particular, and I would say livestock in general, it, very tough environments for for the sensors to work in and therefore very tough for the algorithms to, to develop accuracy. When your goal is to help animals reach their full potential, health matters. Diamond V offers a fresh perspective on animal health, a perspective that supports gut health, strengthens immunity, and ultimately enhances performance. For those who choose to invest in keeping healthy animals healthy, feeding Diamond V makes a statement about another dimension of profit, where margins are measured by confidence in your future. To get a fresh perspective, visit diamondv.com, because animal health deserves a healthier approach. Now it makes a lot of sense, and it makes me tired just thinking about doing that work. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, all this work goes into developing technologies, and then sometimes uptake is, is uh, somewhat unpredictable, um, which I'm sure you think about all the time as, you know, as a capital uh, advisor. Um, what are some of the human bottlenecks to technology use adoption? Um, the human bottlenecks are, are, are probably some that you think about already. A lot of the companies that are coming up with new ideas are based on founders who've never been in a farm. Sure. 
and so they don't understand the practicalities. I, I, I give the example of, you know, if cows sick in North America on many, many farms, they'll mark the cow. They might put blue chalk on the head of the cow. You know, if you've got a camera, we're looking at a cow and suddenly a blue and white cow appears where you've been looking for black and white cows. So, so that's a practical problem that you need to understand. And I could give equally practical examples of what happens uh, in swine farms, what happens in, in chicken uh, farming, where there just are things that you would not understand if you didn't grow up on a farm or if you don't have people within your team that are very familiar with farming. So from that perspective, that, that, that's a serious challenge for, for building these businesses. Um, I, I think motivating and keeping a team going in a startup, uh, these are also, you, you have very different uh, types of people coming in and they are highly sought after. So I think from the startup's perspective, finding talent, keeping talent motivated, compensating them appropriately, et cetera, uh, is, another, is another thing that, that I think traditional businesses would, would struggle with because they assume when you have your salary and it goes up by, the, by inflation on a yearly basis that that's going to be enough. And, and you see many of, you know, some people don't understand, well, why when I walk into the office, are they all playing ping pong? Are they um, on the pool table? Or why this or why that? But I can tell you that in the startup I worked with, Caintis and startups, I've seen people put in extraordinary hours, like they're quite prepared to work till 8, 10 o'clock at night. So it's a non-traditional form of management, which is required. And, um, you know, sometimes for people like myself with a few gray hairs, that's a bit of a challenge. But you you, you make that leap because that, that's, that's an important part of, of the culture of how innovation takes place today. Fascinating. That's good. Uh, somewhat of a related question, but of course, one thing I discuss um, with colleagues and people in the industry all the time is how do we need to be developing, helping people learn and be ready for the dairy industry 20 years from now? And of course, nobody knows perfectly, but if you think about you know, helping young people be prepared to be successful in this sector in the future, what ideas do you have about things we should be thinking about in higher ed, for example? Well, you know, start to start with the the obvious. Um, the farm size is growing. You're going to have bigger and bigger farms. We are talking a lot about how do we keep the small farms in business, and the reality is they won't stay in business, or they'll have to have a second form of income. The farm size we're going to see in the future will be five thousand cows in the United States, and maybe a lot smaller in Europe, but it will be a large size. Latin America, Asia will follow the U.S. model. And I think we will eventually see 10,000 cow pods. Uh, that will be the norm for one single location. Um, so within that, that's a different type of management, much more structured, much greater issues with uh, the requirement for structured approaches to human, human capital, human resources, how you manage people, how you give them vacation, how you motivate them, how you keep them from taking a job someplace else. I think for managers of farms themselves, uh, developing their people skills is critical. Um, I think financial skills is very, very important. You know, what's happening at the moment we haven't seen before. So therefore, you need to understand where money comes from and how expensive it is and what your cost of capital is. And finally, I, I actually would recommend people to learn how to code. I, I think if you're in your 20s and you're planning to go back to your, 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 your mom or dad's uh, dairy farm, your family dairy farm, I actually think you'd be very well served by having a year of coding under your belt, at least to understand 
many of the things, many of the technologies are going to arrive on the farm and understand where they came from and you know, how they all fit together. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, I, th I think just understanding the logic that you're forced to learn in coding, I think, yeah, you have a good point there. Thinking about allied industry around the dairy industry, you know, others, you know, feed companies and what have you, how do you think these other agribusinesses should engage in this technology revolution? Well, I think they have to. I, I think you can't survive in the future of feeding cows or, or uh, providing genetics or, or equipment without really truly understanding how technology occurs today. It, most technologies, most ideas will come from small companies. So how do you put your arm around that small company and not simply give them the bear hug of killing them by, by holding them too tight? Uh, you can see at farm level, producers tell me, don't come and provide me with a new toxin binder. Don't bring me a new probiotic. Don't bring me a new uh, silage inoculant. Bring me technology that makes me money. And so therefore, you see people using drones to estimate the amount of silage in a pit in real time uh, alongside the silage inoculant. You see the toxins not just being provided as a, as a toxin binder, but with a real-time toxin analysis. When I look at things that I would have sold in the past, like yeast, uh, organic selenium, trace minerals, uh, those all also, in my view, require you to have real-time analysis of the milk. I mean, milk is phenomenal because it's coming out of the cow three times a day, so you know whether that cow is sick. You know whether she's uh, ready for, for insemination. You know when, uh, when you have problems in terms of what you're feeding. So using technologies like the Labby technology I've seen recently coming out of the new machine allows you a handheld to analyze your milk in real time for fat, protein, somatic cells, amazingly valuable. Um, so the, these sorts of things are really game changers for me. And, and I think uh, the farm of the future, the farm 20 years from now, will incorporate all of that real-time information and make decisions on nutrition and on genetics and other things in real time. Great answer. One thing I've been curious about, and you have an experience of talking with investors on a frequent basis, I'm sure. So if you talk with investors that perhaps have little or no background or, or understanding of agriculture, what sometimes attracts them to want to bet on ag or the dairy industry specifically? Um, some of them are naive and they think that it's going to be easy. They think that they, they look at the business and say, you know, uh, this, this business hasn't uh, changed in 10,000 years. So uh, I can go in there and I can change everything. And there's a little bit of arrogance there in my view, and certainly a lot of naivety uh, about, about what we do on the farm and, and, and feeling in some ways that we don't understand what we're doing. We're not clearly, we, we do know what we're doing. We've been doing it for a long time. So I, I think that feeling that there's a gold rush and if we get out there, we could certainly transform everything is a real uh, opportunity because it means that there's money coming in, but it's a real problem because the expectations sometimes can be too high. I, I do believe that they've seen success in the food business. They've seen success in changing supply chains and crops. So a lot of people are saying, I want to get in there before, uh, before it all kicks off in a very big way for livestock. Okay, that's fascinating. Okay, I've got a couple of uh, a little bit outside the box questions here to wrap us up. So if you could put something on billboards around the world, let everyone globally see your message, what would your, what would your billboard show? I can't argue with uh, the Nike, just do it. Okay. 
and you know taking a risk trying something what's to lose that sort of mantra needs to be up there for anybody who's young it, it's not easy I, I mean when i i certainly have become more entrepreneurial as i become older and my sense is i'm willing to take risks i wouldn't have taken before i felt that my 401k was okay and and you know i was sort of covered in terms of what i need to do but but many people wait too long you know they they get to 60 and then they decide they want to go and do something interesting and that's that can be challenging so you know doing it in your 30s 40s or 50s definitely would recommend and uh yeah uh, my, my uncle used a phrase um that his mother which would have been my grandmother said to him and um, when he announced he was opening his own business she said what took you so long <laughs> that's not a bad one to go with i like that it's time for our famous three Okay, so then three wrap-up questions we ask of every guest. Um, first, what's your favorite dairy-related book or resource? For resource, I, I would definitely recommend the downloading of the Zisk app, if you haven't. Mm. <laughs> it gives you in real time uh, where the milk business is, where your milk cows are, your profitability, and projects for the next 12 months. And um, they have a number of pretty interesting articles that he's taking from all the various press. So that's, you know, quick what I call it, 30 seconds, 90 seconds a day. If you have the Zisk app, app on your smartphone or device, uh, that's fantastic. If you have the time to read something, I definitely recommend the book by uh, Kurlansky. It's called Milk, a 10,000-Year History. It, just, it takes you through everything you possibly ever want to know about the milk business, about where milk came from, how we domesticated the first, uh, well, not even cow, the auroch at the time, and then bred her to her him to become the uh, to become the cows we use today and all the way through to making cheeses etc etc so that's a pretty cool book to get a copy of if you can great i have to put that book on my list i haven't gotten that one read yet second then what's your favorite book or resource outside of agriculture um i i tend to read uh, a, a lot of business books you know future of um what's going on where things are going um, the one that probably impressed me the most was Yuval Noah's uh, Homo Deus. Uh, he's written a couple of books about the history of mankind, <clears throat> where we are, where we're going. I'm not going to tell you I liked everything in the book. In fact, I could tell you I didn't like everything in the book. I'm not going to tell you that made me feel comfortable, but did challenge my view of the future. And um, I would highly recommend people to consider it just even from the perspective of uh, thinking through you know, where, where is the planet going and what's happening next? Okay, thank you. And lastly, uh, in your opinion, what sets successful dairy professionals apart from those who are less successful? Willingness to change, willingness to embrace new technology. You know, you, you just don't, I know the old phrase, well, I don't want to be a pioneer. All the pioneers, well, a certain number of them died and things didn't go well for them when they got out to the West. Yeah, that, that, that's true, but that's not the approach to take with this. When you see a startup come through your door, when you see a new technology, put your arm around it, figure out whether you can help them or help yourself by trying it. Um, leave space within your day, within your week, within your time to try stuff because this business is just not going to be the same. It is in the process of being blown up. We obviously are seeing... I'll call it a tax, but certainly alternatives coming from oat milks to almond milks to people saying they can recreate the proteins of milk through fermentation with yeast in a, in, in a fermenter. All these things are going on. 
And yet we've got a great story to tell. We have an animal that takes grass and fiber and things cows can't, uh, takes things that humans can't eat and converts it into something which is which is nutrition. And that's a fabulous story. We just need to become more and more efficient about how we do it. We need to use technology to make it more traceable. And we need to understand more precisely when things go wrong, why do they go wrong and fix them quickly. Well stated. Well, thank you, uh, Aiden Conley. Thank you for joining us on the Dairy Podcast Show. It's been an enlightening conversation. I appreciate it. Barry, the pleasure is all mine and hope to do it again sometime with you. Okay, if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to the Dairy Podcast Show and you can get more great content like this. Mm-hmm.